Good morning. How's everyone doing this morning? Good? Great. Well, welcome to church. We're so glad you're here. My name is Pastor Johanna. I'm the Children's Connections Pastor here, if you don't know that. But um, yeah, so we've got some great, fun, exciting things coming on, coming up at Northview. And I have a little friend here helping me. This is Jackson. Can you guys all say hi to Jackson? Hi, Jackson. Show us your full sign. Okay, so he's showing up. You, you can try to like, like, put it away. Yeah. There you go. So we have a Pinewood Derby race coming up. How many have ever done Pinewood Derby race at least once in their lifetime? Yeah, it's fun. That, there was only like one or two hands, but you guys. So then that means all of you should sign up because they are fun. It's fun, and you get a little car kit. It's well, it's like a it's like a block of wood, and then you get to design it, and then cut it out, and put wheels on it, and then we race it. And it's fun. It's really exciting. And how many of you have ever seen the movie Pinewood Derby? No, I know that's what it said. What like staff meetings said? They're like, mm, no, it's kind of a funny movie. But it's like how the dads get really into it and they like compete and race. But you know, dads be good. You can make a car, and your kids can make a car. There you go. So if you want to be a part of Pinewood Derby race, go to northviewutah.com/events and sign up there. It's $25, but that includes the car kit, all the expenses that come involved with the race on February. 27th at 9 a.m. And we also have a work day the first Saturday in November to where if you don't have the tools to cut out your car, you can come and we'll have tools here and you can cut it out. Did I say something wrong? No. February. I said November? Yeah. <laughs> February. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, um, thank you, Jackson. You can sit, you can go sit down if you want. So the other thing I wanted to talk to you about is our connect groups. We have we are starting up connectors again. Some have been meeting, some have not, but we are doing a big push and we are excited to just get back into some sort of normality in life. And connectors are so important. If you are not already in a connect group, I strongly encourage you to join one. Because let me tell you something, Sunday mornings are great. We come, we worship, we're together, we're, um, getting in the word, but then we go home and that's not enough to feed us. How many just eat one meal a day? I mean one meal a week? Yeah. No, we don't and we can't do that spiritually. So that's why we have connectors to meet in the middle of the week so that we can meet with other believers and we get into God's word and we encourage each other and we help each other along and we get through life together because God wants us to do this together. And so I wanted to read to you a Psalms. It's one of my favorite Psalms. When I was growing up, I had a father and a grandfather who loved memorizing scripture. And so they constantly encouraged us as kids to memorize it. We weren't so enthusiastic. So they bribed us with money. But one of the main chapters that they always told us to memorize was Psalms 1. And it's a great Psalm and it's an easy Psalm to memorize. I still haven't memorized it. As you can see, I'm using my <laughs> But it's, I'm just going to read the first few verses and it says, that, oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never, never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Basically, this is saying that if you meditate on God's word day and night, you feed on it, 
you get into his word, you're going to prosper. You're going to bear fruit in every season of your life. And we can do that here on Sunday mornings. We do that in our personal um, devotions, but we also need to do that in a small, intimate group setting with other believers. So I strongly encourage you to sign up. We have them all along these tables. So get involved in the connect group today, right? Amen. All right, Luke, you're on. Morning, Northview. Morning. This morning, uh, we're gonna we're gonna do some worship, and you know these songs are always about who God is, about His uh, His attributes, you know how how holy He is, um, how deserving of our worship He is, um, that He is worthy, um, just how much He loves us. Those are all just always in uh, in every song that we do. These songs, I think. Are, are geared more toward, well, for me this week anyway, they're geared to a lot of things, but for me I'm thinking about change. And if, you know, it's the new year, we tend to make uh, resolutions, you know, we, or we look at the, the new year coming up and say, I'm gonna maybe do this a little different this year. And that those, so we make changes in our life. And I think the most important change that we can ever make is invite God into our heart, into our lives. And the change that occurs when, when we do that sincerely and he actually enters into us, that creates a huge change in our lives. And I think it's really linked, for me, it was always linked to forgiveness. That God, I mean, I recognize that, okay, there is a God, and man, I've, I've done you wrong. It made me feel heartbroken, you know, and, and, and then sad. And I think when I understood that God's forgiveness was all of it, it was okay. That he didn't expect me. He took me just as I was. He didn't need me to be perfect. And he, he accepted me, yeah. just to, just as I am. And so, when I think about all those things, that like the, then, then the celebration comes, right? Then you start saying, "Yeah, God is greatly loved." So anyway, as we worship this morning, just be thinking about the changes that, that have been, occurred in our lives, and and how God wants us to continue changing, because He reveals more, we change more, we grow more, we change more. It's a constant, it's a continual progression, continual effect of change, getting closer to God and changing and getting closer. So um, let's get closer to God right now as we worship him, as we thank him for who we are, and thank him for who he is, and, uh, and, and just let's think on this change that he wants to bring about in this coming year for us. Yeah. 
It could be money, it could be women, it could be any number of things that right. just are chains and hold us right. in that life that we're in. We need somebody to break those chains. I've tried, man, i tried so many ways to break those chains on my right. own. Thought right. all I could do was maybe modify them a little bit. You know? <laughs> Still hanging around my yep. neck, dragging yep. me down. God's a chain breaker. Amen. And he wants to break those chains. Right. He wants to set us free so that we can change. Let's give, let's give praise for that this morning. Amen. Amen. Been walking the same old road for miles and miles. If you've been hearing the same old voice, tell the same old lies. If you're trying to fill the same old holes inside, there's a better life. There's a better life. Take it. If you belong, he's a 
If you haven't had your coffee yet, I just want to remind you that this is some good coffee. This is uh, Kingdom Growers Coffee. This is an, uh, a coffee that is grown specifically to help support missions. So when you're drinking coffee, know that you are uh, just supporting missions, and that's a, that's, a, that's a good thing. So we want you to uh, get caffeinated and uh, just in, enjoy the coffee that we have back there. I want to say thanks to our serving team every Sunday morning. They're out here. They're early. They come, they, they set things up, they, they make the coffee for you, they make sure that everything's proper, and thank the cleaning crew, they make sure the bathrooms are clean. There's just a lot. And I just want to say thank you to all those people who are serving behind the scenes. You, um, you deserve double honor. So thank you all for who served behind the scenes to make this work. 
Thank you, Ashley, for serving behind the, the, the camera there. I want to welcome our online family who's with us this morning. Thank you for joining us. We bless you in your home. Uh, thank you for being part of the family. If you are here today in-house, um, man, if you do me a favor, pull up Facebook, watch this video right now, and just welcome everybody who is uh, attending church online. Just go ahead and pull that up and just say, hey, good morning to see you. Good, glad to see you. Good morning. And maybe shout out an amen once in a while during the message. You can do that. That's fine. Let's pray. God, we ask for your continued blessings over us. Thank you for blessing us all the way through 2020. Thank you for helping us this far in 2021. We ask for your continued blessings over us, your blessings of peace that's supernatural, that is outside of this world. I ask that you'll uh, go before your church in the next few weeks, God, and as uh, this election is, or this, uh, this transition is happening. Lord, we ask that you'll bless America, bless our nation, help us to seek you first. Be with us today, God, as we discover more of you and your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Make sure you turn your volume off on your phone if you're uh, watching the service. What's your initial response when you hear the word evangelism? What's your knee-jerk response when you hear that word, evangelism? Maybe for a few of you, you slid forward just a little bit like, yes, I'm ready to go. Let's hear this. Evangelism, I'm excited, and I'm ready to hear about this because that's my gifting, and I'm ready. Pastor, it's been too long since you've preached a sermon about evangelism. There we go. There's that person. For the rest of us, we're kind of sliding in the back of our seat thinking, oh no, he's preaching about evangelism. That means he's going to be talking about something uncomfortable in preaching in public. And it makes us a little bit nervous, almost like a deer caught in the headlights thinking, this is not my personality. I think it's a great thing for other people to do, but Lord, that's not me. Are you there? We know it's important. We know it's necessary to present the gospel in public. It's just not me. It's just not you. It scares a lot of us because it seems like a lot of pressure. We don't like pressure, especially gospel pressure. You know what I mean? It's great for someone else. And maybe you feel inadequate. Maybe that's part of the reason why we just feel uneasy about it. We don't have enough scripture verse, verses um, memorized. In fact, we're not even getting in the word ourselves. So how can we be called to be evangelists? We're not ready for that yet. Marriage isn't going good. The kids seem to be fighting all the time. I'm not really sure with questions that I have in myself. You can't ask me to be an evangelist. I'm not ready. You ever ask these questions? Maybe we just hear the, the idea or we, we think about the idea of being cornered in a theological debate and we're no way to escape with these questions that they're asking us we don't have an answer for. And so just being trapped in a conversation that you have no idea to get out. You don't want to make God look foolish. You don't want to look foolish. You want to make other Christians look foolish. Maybe the idea of evangelists come to your mind where it's a TV evangelist and, and all of the things that are misconceptions about this word evangelism and evangelist. There's a lot out there. And if you feel this way, let me just give you a bit of a reassurance. You're not alone. And it's okay to have some of these feelings because culture is kind of twisted. Twisted this word. As we get started this morning, I, wanna, I want us to do something. Can we just together, can we just take this 
mental image or this emotion that we have associated with evangelist or evangelism, and can we just throw it out? Just start over. We're going to get rid of the preconceived ideas that we have about this, all of the maybe the bad experiences or the fears or whatever it is. We're just starting fresh, a blank page. We haven't ever been taught this word evangelist or evangelism before. Now we're going to say, okay, I'm ready to learn. There is nothing that's hindering this in my mind right now. Can we do that? Okay, we're starting over. We're starting fresh. Together, we're going to learn as if we'd never heard this word. Yeah. <laughs> the first thing that we need to know is evangelism isn't about you. If you're hearing this for the first time, we need to release the pressure about you. It's not about you. And it's not about what you know. It's about who you know. We're talking about being an evangelism or being an evangelist. It's about who you know rather than what you know. And everybody lacks the... the um, the knowledge of the Bible to its entirety because there's still kings who are trying to seek and learn more and there's still more to discover. You never get the get 100% there where you've said, I've learned everything. So just throw that out the window and it's more about your relationship with Jesus. In fact, that's speaking a lot more clearly and louder than the words you say, right? Your relationship with Jesus is key. It's not your responsibility to make people follow Jesus. You can't change people's hearts. Only the Holy Spirit, God's word, and Jesus changes people's hearts. No matter how much you preach to someone, they could still be hardened to God. That's their choice. You can't force someone to do this. So it's not your responsibility, it's God's responsibility. So when they reject you, or if they reject you, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting God, okay? And it's not on you. So today I pray that we learn a, maybe a greater boldness as an insight to what it means to be an evangelist. Yes, all of us. And I think hopefully after today we'll kind of have a little more confidence in this word. Because it is scary. And I think that maybe we can just redefine it in our vocabulary and understanding of what this means to us. Turn over with me to Acts chapter 8. Last week we were in Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7 was a, a time where, where Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit and he spoke directly to um, the Sanhedrin and he really got in trouble there. They were angry at his words and they covered their ears and shouted at, at him and drug him out of the city and stoned him to death. He was that offensive. Because he saw Jesus and said, look, you can see him too. And they rejected. At that time it was just a chaotic time for the church they spread they they went out all over the place and that's where the 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 gospel went further was because of this event so acts chapter eight right after uh the stoning of stephen there was a man named saul in verse one it mentions him and saul approved of their killing him this is the apostle paul that we would later understand that, uh, that he would have that understanding of Jesus on the road to Damascus. And on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the, the apostles were scattered through Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. Can you imagine this is the confusing time that was happening there, right, with the church? 
Like this is the revival's happening and then all of a sudden this happens and everybody scatters in fear. And they're mourning like, what is happening, Lord? Not again, right? But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, he, they all paid close attention to what he had said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in the city. In the middle of this chaos, in the middle of this turmoil, there was great joy in the city. What's happening here is revival. When you have revival, you have the spirit of joy. And they're seeing God work miraculous, uh, in miraculous ways. And it's amazing. People were amazed. They were astonished. They were following. They were listening. They gave their full attention to what Philip was saying. He's preaching the Messiah. People are becoming saved and just incredible things are happening, right? I mean, his ministry is basically on fire. It's amazing what can happen when God pours a little bit of hardship and the power of the Holy Spirit into the mix. And how revival can break out. People uh, were being baptized and they were being baptized in the spirit. And it was just a, this message and influence was spreading to the thousands of people were turning to Jesus. And the power of God was so visible that a man na named uh, Simon, who was a sorcerer, tried to buy the gift of the Holy Spirit from them. And they rebuked him. It was so tangible. He said, I want what you've got. Can I pay you a hundred bucks for that? And Philip's ministry was just on fire and it was fun. There was great joy. This was a fun season of ministry. This was a fun season for the church. It was a great time of just seeing God working miraculous things. And there was just a, a increase of, of, of unity there and blessings. And then something interesting happens in verse 26. Head on down there with me. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to, to Gaza. So he started out and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means the queen of Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The scripture passage or the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading was he was led like a sheep to the slaughter as a lamb before its shearer is silent he so he did not open his mouth in his humiliation he was deprived of justice who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth the eunuch asked philip philip tell me please who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else then philip began with a very verse of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him.
And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way, rejoicing again that word. There was a revival that happened personally in this man's heart. Philip, however, appeared to at Asotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. I'm just going to take a little side note, just because this is interesting to me. Um, we've got a picture up here just to kind of help visualize the travels of Philip. And even though that may not be exactly clear, it says it's going down from Jerusalem to um, Gaza. And I can't really read that. Where, there we go, Samarian city up there. And going down, you see Jerusalem, uh, he went down to uh, Samaria. And that's actually going north, but the scripture says it's going down. And then it goes down to, to Gaza. It says both times that way. Why is it saying down when it's going north? Well, Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem, is up on a plateau, top of a mountain. It's high. Their elevation is higher than anyone else in that region. It was, it's 2,500 uh, feet above sea level. And uh, Samaria is about 650 elevation. So that's quite a drop. And if you get the chance to go to Israel, uh, you'll see how high Jerusalem the city is up above everything else and how mountainous it goes down and, and things like that. So when they're talking that, it's going down and then down. So some people may say that's a contradiction or what does the Bible talk about? Look how wrong or how inaccurate it is. It's not, right? They added terrain down to Samaria. That's just a little side note, just as you're looking in your maps. Maps can be kind of fun in your, in your Bible. Yeah, you can come to Israel with us and talk to Katie. She'll, she's going, and she's going to take everybody to Israel, so you can chat with her. But notice the distance, right? Where they, he was preaching at in Samaria, and then notice what happened. There's a, a shift in his ministry, and God says, look, you're on fire in Samaria, and I want you to go down past where you were before, and I want you to go all the way down to the desert road in Gaza. There's a definite shift of where God was moving him out of an area of influence into the desert. I think, number one, when we talk about what God is doing in us and being an evangelist is how flexible are you? Are you flexible enough to change and go in the opposite direction of what you can see clearly that God is moving in your life at this very moment, at this very place, and there are people who are being influenced at work because you're there and God shifts you out of that? Are you willing to be flexible enough for that? Going out of the blessings of growth to the desert place. Lord, you want me to leave now? Why? Abandon everything that I've worked for. Can't you see how many people are being healed and miraculous things are happening? Can't you see, God, why would you want me to leave now? Who's going to take, take over? Who's going to take care of these new converts? How well do we read happenstance or coincidences or when God says, I want you to move from here to there. Have you ever felt like you just go to bed each night and you're thinking, man, I was just here. You felt that? You're like, where did the day go? Then you think, man, where did the week go? Where did the, where did the year go? Have you ever asked that question, God, I just want more purpose, Lord, in the workplace. Lord, you played it, placed me here. What do you want me to do, God? I, I feel like there's something more in my day. What is it, God? You ever ask those questions? Lord, just show me and I will do it. 
I want to make a difference. I want to, I, I'm ready to change direction. I, I'm ready to do whatever you want me to do. Just reveal it to me. Speak to me so I can do your work and not mine. And you, you just ask that prayer over and over again. Well, I think one of the things that um, God is speaking to us today is he is revealing himself to you every single day. Are, are we flexible enough to see what he's doing and shifting our focus onto what we could see right now to something that seems less influential? How do we do that? Number one, see your responsibility and understand what is God's. Philip knew that this ministry was not his, that the revival was not his responsibility, that the healings and miracles was not his. This was all God's. So it was no problem for him to leave it behind and go somewhere else into a different direction. God didn't, uh, and God asked him to change direction and to follow God. And Philip didn't argue about it. He didn't equate the success of his ministry to his calling, which is a struggle. Bigger isn't always better or more effective. And sometimes God will call you away from the bigger to accomplish his best in one. Do you have one person in your life? That could be exactly your best ministry. God's responsible for the outcome and all you're responsible for is the response. Number two, surrendering your rights I think is important for us as we uh, learn what it means to be an evangelist and to have that idea come to our mind is that it's we're surrendering our rights philip didn't demand his own way he remained fl flexible and philip didn't get a reason why he should leave everything behind the angel just said i want you to go he didn't get a reason he didn't get a, 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 an explanation you're going to be rewarded if you do you, you, he didn't get a timeline he didn't say it's going to be this long then you'll come back he didn't get an overview of what will happen it was just, I want you to go. And Philip was fine leaving. With all of the questions, with all of the uncertainty, how well can you make a decision with uncertainty? Surrendering your, your rights means surrendering the why, Lord, question. Surrendering on, I'm waiting for more answers first before I move. If you want to see God clearer, you have got to surrender the control. Because it's very easy to try and control the situation when you don't know what, how you're going to go from here to there. Can you move when you're still confused? Can you trust if you, still don't, have, if you don't have all of the answers? Give up trying to figure out God's perfect plan and just go off the little that he gives you. So he started out on his way and he met the Ethiopian eunuch. See your responsibility and understand what's God's. Surrender your rights. S sense the plan. Sense. Be in tune. Keep a lookout for divine interruptions in your day. How well do you meet those interruptions? God told him to go to Gaza, not stop in the middle for a conversation. This wasn't part of the original plan. Is your destination distracting you from God's plan? You see, we could go. We could get so focused on how we get to where we want to be, how how we want to be a better Christian, or we want to learn more, or we want to do this, or we want to be in ministry, or we want to, whatever it is. Well, I got to get my life up right, right this way or that way, and we have this destination in our mind of what it, we should be like, 
as a Christian, and in that process, we're only focused on the outcome of what we want, and we miss out on the opportunity of sharing in the journey with someone else. Are we so focused on being a better Christian that we forget that our purpose is our journey, and that we bring people along even when we haven't reached our goal yet? You still have questions. It's okay. Bring people along. You still have doubts. You still don't understand some of these things. It's okay. You don't have to, to be used by God. We need to listen to God, but we also need to listen to people. We need to listen to others. When sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet, the spirit told Philip, so the angel made a declaration, a messenger. He came and said, you need to do this. It was clear. It was in front of him. There was no distinction. It was just, this is exactly what you need to do. You, there's no question. You just got to go. So he left. Then the spirit comes and tells him, see the difference here? The spirit is something that's inside that prompts him. It leads him. It's almost like a burden or a responsibility that you see. He sees this man and says, I don't have it in me to go on past. I can hear. I can listen. I can see. I know what God's calling me to do, but I, I know that I can't leave this man alone. He says, do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked, how can I unless someone explains it to me? So invited Philip up and to sit with him. You want to know what the number one most effective thing is to evangelism? Let me tell you, it's this. Let them tell you what they're struggling with. Let them speak to you. They will tell you where they need to hear God in their lives. They will, they will tell you what they're struggling with. I promise you, if we can just listen instead of speak first, we will hear where they are stuck with God, where they're frustrated with God, where they don't, they're confused and they need help. That's the point where you help. That's the point where we stop and listen here and then we respond. Pay attention. People will tell you how to reach them. Listen to the questions that they have. Then Philip began to, with that very passage of scripture, told them, told them the good news about Jesus. Sometimes we like to just jump into conversation. We just like to jump into conversation with all the stuff that we've learned, all the stuff that we, knew, and we know, the, the, the last sermon that we heard that was just awesome, answers to theology and Bible verses and phrases that we've inherited, and we use these things, and that's not necessarily the, the starting point for everybody. Maybe we start where they're stuck. Philip approached the, the need from a relationship perspective, not just as a result perspective. Sometimes I think we've got it turned around where we say, this, this is a box to check off. I evangelized today. I preached the word. The, and we say that, that phrase that God's word never goes or returns void, right? And so we just throw it out there. We throw it out there. We just throw it out there. And we miss out on the relationship part of it. This wasn't a chess game or a strategy. It wasn't about a score. It was, it was about meeting a person's needs and sitting down to see from his perspective and to hear his question and to talk about Jesus where the man was stuck. Then Philip opened his mouth at the beginning of the scripture and preached Jesus to him. Evangelism is about you bringing clarity into someone's confusion and questions about God. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and baptized him. Share in the relationship. We've got this idea that evangelism is, to, is a one-shot thing. You preach the word, you get them saved, and then you run out. onto the next person, on the next person, and you're out. 
Well, Philip sat down, shared. You know what they did? They went on a journey together. And as they were talking together, then the man said, I want to be baptized. What's stopping me? And he says, if you really believe, he confirmed and said, is this really what you want to do? And then shared in the journey, led the man to a decision point. Evangelism can be easy and effective. It's not difficult or complicated. We start with the word of God, rely on the Holy Spirit's leading, and we respond quickly. I've gotten this wrong most of my life. Because I've probably had, like you, zero training to be an evangelist. If I was to ask how many of you have went to school or received some sort of training other than YouTube of how to be an evangelist. Probably none of us. And yet it's an, a powerfully used tool. I think that we kind of learn what not to do so we know how to do it right. It's, it's one of the loopholes, I think. I remember I was in construction and I was working on the roof. We're sheeting this, um, this house and and I was a youth pastor at that time, and I was working a full-time job. And, and you ever see those sky moments where it's just, it looks like the book of Revelation is just opening up, and this, this, the, the shafts of light are pouring through a dark clouds. And it's, you know, you ever stop at those moments and think, wow, it's like Jesus is returning. And I said that. And there was a coworker with me, and I said, man, it looks like Jesus is coming back right now. And he just stopped, and they knew. You know, they knew where I stood. So this wasn't anything new for him. And he asked me this question. And I said, he said, am I going to go to hell? And I handled that wrong. Because I started going into, well, with Jesus and scripture and, and this and, and try to just maybe lay it out theologically and, you know, the Romans road. And, and he just... That, that, that wasn't for him at that time. What he was doing was asking a question and he had hurt and he had some confusion and he wanted safety and security. I just needed to listen. The better thing for me was to, would have been to ask the question, what do you mean by that? What do you think? How do you feel about this? What's your idea about Jesus? What does salvation mean to you? If you go, if you listen and you ask the questions, they will tell you. And a lot of times what I've found is that they will tell themselves that they believe in God. I, I believe in God. Most people believe in God. They just don't know how to live their life for God. And they're scared of Jesus. So they want it. They just don't know how. Now, God uses every opportunity and God, I'm sure, you know, didn't waste that opportunity and there was an opportunity that he had, even though I feel like God taught me a moment there to just, you know, maybe I don't need to speak so much. And I just need to listen. Rely on God's word and his Holy Spirit and the timing. Another time I was working in construction and I was, this is another company. And my foreman, we were working together on the floor and I, we were uh, just pounding nails out. This is a construction company that was built. We built houses with no pneumatic like tools, all hammer and nails. It was old school. That was part of the selling point. So it would take us about seven months to build one home. Every nail was just pounded in with the hammer. And we were just on the floor. And you're just real close to each other. We're just talking. Talking about God. Talking about, you know, relationship. What is, who's Jesus? And just asking all sorts of questions. We got to that point. Well, I 
my brother-in-law and I, we started our, uh, our own landscaping business. And so I left that job. And, but before I left, I had a real deep conversation with him that never ended. It never, we never wrapped up. I never gave him that decision point. And I told Katie, I said, I feel like God's leading me to come to his house and bring him cookies and just finish this conversation. You ever feel that way? You're just like, it's not done yet. It, there's still more work that needs to be done. And, and God was moving and he was really receptive and he was always closed off until just at the very end there. And so a month went by and I'm thinking, we got to get over there. And I come to find out that he had uh, died in the parking lot while he's driving himself to the hospital because he had a heart attack. And even though God used me in that moment to speak to him and there was an opportunity for him and all that, there was still another lesson for me that when Philip ran to the chariot, he didn't wait. You may not be ready. You may not feel equipped, but I tell you what, if that opportunity is missed and you feel like you missed that opportunity, you're going to wish that you had said something, even if it wasn't perfect. Give up on the perfect answers. You're not going to have it anyways. They will see your heart. You're like, I don't know. But I do know what God has done for me in your story, in your story, in your story, how God is showing up. Share that. And it's okay to be vulnerable and transparent. And so where are you stuck at? Let's see what, let's see what, what God says. One time I feel like God was, was moving was I used to, work at Starbucks. And I say that because I never was employed by them. I just went there every day and did study, you know, for sermons. There was a point there where I got to know every single person and I was just able to have a conversation with them very freely. They would let me work after they were closed there. I would stay there. They'd be cleaning up and they would lock the doors and I would just study. And it was just awesome while they're cleaning up. We had a great relationship with the Starbucks crew. And I remember them asking questions and and I would, on their lunch break or their break, they would sit down with me and they'd say, hey, what are you preaching about this week? Oh, this is what I'm preaching about. And then they would ask questions or that became a complete marketplace. And I remember this one time where um, the manager, this, this happened several times, but the manager came to me and said, I want you to pray for my grandson. He's, he's sick and he's, well, he's just not doing well. We prayed together and all that sort of thing. Well, I get a call and she said that uh, her grandson had passed away in the night. And she asked me to go to her kids' house and be with them. And I had to write their address down and I'm knocking on a door that I have no idea who it is. I've never met them before. Remember, I've only met the manager. And I'm knocking on a door to someone who had just experienced a complete loss they're not Christians, they're not believers. They just had devastation happen. And I'm knocking on the door. Opportunity comes when you're just willing to share what you know. And they open the door and I sit at the table and they're just, they're, they're past the point of emotion. They're just distraught, right? It's, they've cried all the tears it's been a very difficult life for their boy. They have all these doubts and questions about God. Basically, I just sit with them. I, you ever been there where you try and find the right words and there's no words? I wish I had the right words. I didn't. And I've, I started to say some things and I realized I don't need to say anything. 
And I sat at the table, invited him to sit. They asked me to do the funeral service, the best funeral service I've ever done in my life. It was a packed house, people's hearts. I have never preached to a more receptive audience than that. When we talk about evangelism, all we have to do is just be willing to be available. Rely on God's word, his Holy Spirit's leading and be quick to, re to respond. And we listen and we engage and we sit with and we ask the question, do you understand? That's what Philip's telling us about evangelism. Make it easy. Let's not make it complicated because there are people dying all around us who don't know it. And we know it. And that's the responsibility of how can I keep going on along my day and not stop and have a conversation. I know that there's greater things that God has for me. I know there's a destination. I know that I need to learn more. I need to grow more. But during the desert where it seems like there's barren and there's no fruit and there was a better time in your life, instead of trying to get back to that place, just keep going and stop when you need to stop. Share in the journey. Keep it simple. I don't know if this is for you or not today, but make this your prayer to have ears to listen. There are people who are speaking to you in your workplace, in your family, wherever you're at. There are people, there are people asking you about God. I guarantee it. And if you're going to bed at night, God, where are you? I missed you. Let's have ear. Let's pray that God will give us ears to hear this spiritual cry of this world. And you may know somebody right now that comes to your mind that's already asked you questions about God. There's people who have been in your life that have already been uh, uh, having confusion. You know where they're at, that you know they're confused. Ask for opportunities to speak in that one person's relationship. If you don't have that, begin to pray the prayer of God, show me. And he will reveal that person. You'll be amazed at the conversations that you have this week if we begin to pray that prayer today this is a challenge for us to become evangelists not like you've seen or heard or have an idea about but like somebody who has a relationship with someone else who's asking you a question let's be quick to respond and rely upon the holy spirit and his word amen let's stand together how many of you with me can say i'm ready to drop the pressure that i place that we place on ourselves you place on yourself to have everything perfect in your answer and ready to just step into the chariot, step into someone's life, see their perspective, and just talk about Jesus and what he's done for you and share in that. Whether you know that person now or not, we're ready, right? God, whatever you have for us in this week. Father, open our ears so that we may listen. To people who are hurting, who have going through hardships by themselves without you, help us, Lord, to not put the pressure on us, but to just give you the outcome 
That is you that does the work and not us. Lord, every fear that we have about sharing about you, I just ask in the name of Jesus that it'll be cast out. Our hesitation. Help us to have our conversations be filled with purpose. It can change a life and a family forever. Help us to see the direct responsibility that you've given us. And how as imperfect people, we rely upon your grace. And maybe that would just be the message that we share. Thank you for loving us and giving us the challenge to reach the people that you love and have died for. Be with Northview Church, God. Help us in our influence into this community individually. I ask for your Holy Spirit to go before every single person here. Give them the words and the clarity of mind to speak. In Jesus' name, we said together, amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. Have a wonderful week. We will see you next time.